Hey, everybody, welcome into another episode of our recruiting podcast here. We, I mean, I, I don't want to really waste any more time. I mean, we've got a lot to talk about, and uh, we're going to get all of that and more with these visitors and commits this week on Future Brew. So without further ado, let's introduce my co-host here. Steven Osentoski is back. Uh, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Doing good. Had a uh, tough mutter uh, yesterday, so my knees are a little scraped up. I actually got lost running it, which I didn't know it was possible to get lost during a tough mutter. But uh, beyond that, it was a it was a good time. Well, I'm certainly glad you enjoyed that. Also back this week from a week hiatus is John Simmons. John, how you doing, buddy? Uh, I never want to hear the words break lines or calibers or pep boys ever again. <laughs> uh, after our car broke down in Indiana. So, you know, coming to you from some traffic right now. Didn't want to miss two weeks in a row, but our trip got extended a little bit longer than we thought. Well, we are uh, sorry to hear what happened, uh, but we're happy to have you back in the Midwest. It's always good to have you around these parts. Yes, Eastern and, time uh, zone. Yes, the Eastern time zone. Lovely EST. Gotta love it. Uh, ho- hope you uh, have s- remaining safe travels on your uh, your way back east uh, the rest of the trip. So stay safe there. So uh, let's let's just dive in, boys. We got a lot to discuss this week, and uh, we're we're going to first begin with uh, the recruits who committed to Michigan over the weekend for this Victor's weekend, big official visit trips for tons of recruits in the 22 class. And the first kid to commit this past weekend was 2022 three-star running back CJ Stokes listed at 511, 190 from the state of South Carolina had strong interest from South Carolina until they had some staff turnover there and they ended up not re-offering him Uh, the scholarship that the previous coaching staff did. So he had some other offers, though, uh, Penn State, West Virginia, Missouri, Vanderbilt, Louisville, and a few others. And he is the first running back to commit to Michigan's 2022 class. And not much longer after he committed, uh, a guy who wasn't even visiting Ann Arbor this past weekend made his commitment official. And that was 22 three-star linebacker Aaron Alexander, in-state kid, uh, we talked about him last week. He plays at Belleville, listed at 6-1-205, and was offered after camping at Michigan a couple weeks ago. Ran a 4.4 40-yard dash time. So for an inside linebacker, I'd, it wasn't laser-timed, but you can see the speed that shows up on the film too. So uh, he's the first linebacker to commit to Michigan's class here and definitely won't be the last. So. Uh, John, I'm going to pass it over to you. Let's uh, let's talk about Stokes first, because it really didn't take long for him to make his commitment public because uh, he was on campus for maybe all of a few hours. He already had a graphic and ready to go for his Twitter page for the commitment. So clearly he had been thinking about it for a little while. And he said that even if South Carolina had re-offered him, that he still wouldn't have gone Uh, because he wanted to create his own legacy. He made that clear on his Twitter page. Uh, Very intriguing recruitment in general. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that and just him as a prospect. Yeah, all the information with him in his high school, or him in South Carolina, um, has been pretty fascinating to follow after his commitment. Um, Because, you know, coming into the visit, he had 100% of the predictions were for South Carolina, and it seemed like it was going to be a tough bowl given that his Former head coach, you know, was hired uh, as their tight ends coach at South Carolina. 
Um, you know, it's really close to campus. Like all the coaches' kids go there to that school. So I think uh, I was, you know, Michigan had a shot. They're one of his contenders, but it kind of just seemed like he was destined to end up at South Carolina. But then he, like you said, he, he looked, seemed like he was considering Michigan highly for a while. I also noticed they already had that graphic made up, which uh, seems pretty uh, telling that he maybe, you know, gave some info to the coaches beforehand and they were able to throw that together for him. So um, I was just, I was, I thought it was refreshing, you know, him saying that stuff on Twitter. Cause usually you don't get that look into behind the scenes of what goes into the guys' decisions and things like that. So I think Michigan got a good back. I think that this won't be the only running back they take in the class, but he's a really good place to start. Yeah, I would say so too. I think they're probably still in it for a few other running backs. And um, certainly I, I would imagine they hope that he's not the last running back that they take. Steven, let's just continue that conversation. I think it's safe to say that Michigan is hoping to get two running backs in this class because they still had George, George Petaway uh, visited this past weekend. Uh, definitely a top target, uh, four-star, top 100 overall player. They reached out to uh, the Alabama transfer a couple weeks ago, so they're definitely looking for more help. But, Stephen, when it comes to Stokes, how do you feel towards him as a prospect? What do you like? What do you don't like? What do you think he needs to work on? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, he reminds me quite a bit of Kron Higdon, just with his skill set, his size, 5'10", 5'11", 190 pounds. So he's right around where you want a traditional running back size to be. Um, the thing that's most inter- interesting to me about Stokes, he was number two on the running back board for Michigan. So despite being a three-star, um, he's a guy Michigan obviously prioritized regardless of uh, of ranking there. So uh and I know we talked a lot about Mike Hart in the past. It, it seems like one of those guys where uh, you, it's one of the first guys that you can really see that, that scouting from Mike Hart kind of come through. He, he's a guy who seemingly has a lot of the uh, I call him kind of the core skills that you really need to be successful at the collegiate level for uh, patience um, stands out quite a bit in his film. You know, if you don't have patience, don't have, uh, that sort of ability to follow your blockers. It doesn't matter how fast you are, how agile you are. If you don't uh, know how or where to run as a running back, um, you know, those, those skills aren't uh, beyond that, aren't going to uh, come into uh, fruition there. So those are the things he has the core down really well. He has an insanely good jump cut. That's really exciting to watch. Um, something that I remember watching in person, Higdon that always stood out was his ability to accelerate out of his jump cuts and that's something that I see quite a bit with uh, Stokes as well. Um, there are some questions about speed. Um, his competition level isn't the greatest. So that's more of something I just want to see more of. Uh, it's also something he mentioned that he had been working on uh, as well as his blocking and receiving skills. So he's someone who, who seemingly works hard, understands that maybe there's some work to do blocking. Um, you know, and, and when I say speed, it might not be top end, but still probably in the four or fives with a, a chance to get to the upper four fours down the line. So he has plenty of speed to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, but truly his skills uh, that, that you really look at is his, uh, his balance, body control, patience. And again, all those things that, you know, you're in a phone booth running through the tackles there. Uh, he has the vision. He has that skill set to really make it work. And, and, uh, seems like he's working on some other areas like receiving and speed that can kind of take him to that next level. But overall, great prospect. I think he has a great core of skill sets to work with. 
Yeah, the speed, it, it might be better than that 4.5 that you mentioned. There are a few articles that I was reading over the weekend that it, it had a few different ones. I saw one that had 4.4, attributing that to a an ESPN camp. And then there was one that I saw that had, uh, it was two times, I believe, on the same day where it was, one was a 4.47 and the other one was a 4.41. So, again, I don't know if those are laser timed or not, but it's pretty good. So you can definitely see that pop out on film. and definitely the patience is very key. Like you had mentioned, Steven, it's something that I know they had talked about with Blake Corum uh, going from freshman to sophomore transition. What he's going through now is how he played so fast in high school. And he kind of transitioned that into his freshman season at Michigan. Now they got to work on those kinds of things to get him to be the best back possible. So certainly important. And I would love to see more uh, just in general uh, from Stokes this senior season. I'm, I'm going to be looking at him uh, very closely. Uh, let's chat about uh, Aaron Alexander, though, for just a moment. John, I'll turn it back over to you because Stephen and I discussed him last week uh, when you were out. But he, he's a fast kid and uh, by all accounts seems to be a very coachable guy. His high school head coach at Belleville, I saw in an interview with 24-7 Sports, Alan Trio, is that he I think he b- referred to him as an old school, like, yes, sir, no, sir kind of guy and how he takes everything very seriously getting coached up and just training to be better. And that's, it really seems like that's the kind of guy that Michigan is getting out of Aaron Alexander. Yeah. I, I read some of the comments too, about how he was, you know, willing to, to play on freshman and JV and be, you know, totally fine with it. Start out as running back, then be moved to defense and just uh, kind of go with the flow and, you know, not question what's uh, what the coaches are, are doing just trusting in there and helping him development or helping his development. And, you know, he turns into a Michigan level prospect. So I think it went out well. Um, you know, I think the, the major thing with this cycle is how the pandemic has affected rankings. And I think this is a guy that definitely flew under the radar. Um, but I like that he uh, was offered after multiple, you know, uh, camp set uh, settings in front of the coaches, you know, they were able to see what he can do live and not just on film. Um, you know, since he missed most of his junior or his junior season with an injury, there's not a lot of tape on him. So uh, seeing him in these camps is the next best thing. And I think um, getting him now and getting him into, uh, into Belleville once again with Jereen Crowell as their head coach, you know, Michigan's had struggles getting their talented guys in the past. So hopefully this is another sign of uh, them bridging that gap again too. Certainly, I would hope so. You definitely want to have all the in-state high schools, especially the elite ones like Belleville. They're always routinely one of the better high school programs. It does seem like that gap is is uh, uh, closing, I guess you could say, every day with all of these uh, additions to the assistant coaching staff with uh, obviously Ron Bellamy having a good relationship with Belleville and, and uh, uh, Clink Scale, uh, obviously, as well. So uh, that's always a good sign here. Steven, um, there's something I wanted to talk to you about specifically because we talked about him last week. He On 24-7, I don't know if they recently changed this or not, but he's now listed as an athlete, and his measurables could resemble that of an inside linebacker like where he's at now. But at 6-1 and with the speed that he has, the, the measurables, I, he could be a defensive back of some sort. Do you think his potential, his best potential, I should say, is uh, at inside linebacker or somewhere in the defensive backfield, given his speed and all that stuff? 
Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I still think he'll be started at linebacker just because there's lots of talk, especially from his coach, um, about how quick his instincts are overall. You know, he, he was really getting some playing time at running back and then injured his thumb, switched over to defensive side. And uh, a lot of talk, yes, was put towards his um, towards his work ethic, um, able to adapt. But you don't just go straight into linebacker and produce right away without having a pretty high football IQ. It takes a little bit of adjustment time, you would think, unless you're able to really process and have uh, really good instincts at that potential. So uh, for having that, um, at that size, 6'1", if he can uh, put on, you know, maybe 30-ish pounds, um, you could see him as someone who could be functional uh, as as a kind of inside linebacker there. Um, if not, it, it's hard to say because I don't know if he truly has the hips that you need at, in the defensive backfield, you know, kind of as, as a safety. He does seem to have a really good skill set to be covering like a tight end um, on a route. Uh, I think he has the speed for that as well. So uh, that leads me more to the, a linebacker uh, position to start. Um, and it's more of a matter of, you know, where will he max out uh, physically? If he's stuck around 215 or so, 220, and he can't really put on more than that, then you might get kind of those, uh, those you know, I, I'll say Viper, even though it's not a position anymore, but that role where he can cover a, a tight end, but also uh, utilize those instincts in a safety type role. So I think, I think he's been playing linebacker. You start him there, get him in the weight room, see what he can build up to. If after a year, year and a half, he's not able to put on that weight, then you uh, try to see what kind of different packages you can put him in um, to kind of take advantage of those linebacker skills more in a uh, safety type body. So I think it's more of a wait and see on exact position uh, for him, but he does bring some versatility with, uh, with this skill set. Yeah. I think you kind of just take him and figure it out later on. If he does end up developing those skills with being able to, to move in the defensive backfield, obviously linebacker is where he's best at right now because it's where he's played at for the, for the most part on defense. So yeah, just thought it was interesting given where he's at uh, with the speed and uh, where he's at height wise, weight wise, just very interesting to, to see where he could end up. Obviously I think linebacker is probably where he's best at right now. But given the guys that they have uh, still recruiting at the linebacker position, they're recruiting a ton of guys. And I wouldn't be surprised if they end up taking a ton more uh, at the linebacker position in this class. He's the first linebacker uh, to commit. And I I could see them getting another three or four if uh, everything works out well. They're really trying to uh, change up that room there. So. Yeah, uh, what we're going to do right now, we're going to take a, a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk about the other official visitors who made their way to campus this past weekend. So stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, welcome back. We are going to move right on with the other visitors from this past weekend for Victor's weekend because there sure were a lot of them. Uh, in case you missed it, our guy, John Simmons, put together an entire list of visitors from AzenBrew.com last week, uh, pretty much as he was moving his entire life back to uh, the east side of the country. So thank you, John, for being able to do that. And we're going to start right at the top of that list that John put together in terms of ranking, prestige, all that. And that's five-star defensive lineman Walter Nolan, number two overall player in the country. 
uh, he's being recruited very heavily by this uh, entire coaching staff. And then you throw in Will Johnson, who was also on campus this past weekend. And uh, even Nolan's family, he's got some family in Detroit wanting him to play in Ann Arbor. So he's got a lot of people in his ear that want him to go to Michigan. So John, uh, in recent weeks, he visited Florida on more than one occasion. Seems like he thoroughly enjoyed his time down there. But again, it looks like he had a good trip to Michigan, too. He's got some other visits planned for this summer and this fall. It sounds like he might come back for the Michigan-Ohio State game. Um, so in your opinion, it, where, where do you think Michigan falls in terms of uh, his top list? Because you could really rearrange it, uh, in my opinion, at least from, from top to bottom, because I, it's, it seems like it's fluctuating uh, every other week. I, I don't think this recruitment's going to be done anytime soon, but where do you think everything sits right now, John? Yeah, I think it's Michigan could be in that top three range there with, you know, any two SEC schools, you can kind of name them. Um, I think Michigan's really the only non-SEC school that he's really seriously considering at this point. So um, I think from what this visit showed is uh, that Michigan is probably his family's choice if they had the decision to make. You know, his mom's family's from Detroit. His dad was with him on the visit and, you know, was posting uh, all this stuff about him in Michigan gear and uh, stuff that he hasn't posted for other schools that they visited. So I think he's a Michigan fan. So I think it was up to the Nolan family. He'd be going to Michigan, but, you know, it's not their choice to make. And there's still a lot of recruiting to go. So, um, you know, I always feel hesitant talking positively about Michigan's chances with Nolan just because it's such a tough battle to win the number two player in the country overall but um i think they're still doing everything right i think the, the visit was a hit and uh he's already thinking about getting back to campus at some point which is also good um even though he said he's going to make a decision in uh over the summer but i still think this one's going to last until signing day yeah i think so too i think this is going to be a, a really long time steve i want to get your thoughts on that as well yeah this is going to be the week to watch right because he's he's got Visits to Tennessee. Uh, I think today actually he had a visit to Tennessee, Alabama this coming Wednesday, and then Georgia um, this weekend, uh, arriving on Friday. So, I mean, when you have those those kind of names out there in a single week of visits, and you're not the last one on the on the list, it's always something where it's like it's hard to see. Uh, a guy like that ending up at Michigan, right? We, I mean, we've seen it before, right? And you can say Rashawn Gary, you know, similar, similarly ranked guy. Um, but it's it's always something where you're you're holding your breath. You know, I think John nailed it with uh, the family reaction. It seems like Michigan did everything they could to uh, to give their pitch to Walter Nolan. And it seems like he was willing to listen, right? So it's one of those recruitment where at the end of the day, it seems like Michigan rolled out the red carpet uh, put everything they had out there. And uh, it's not going to be one where I think people could fairly say like, why didn't Michigan push harder? Right. It's one, I think Michigan's putting uh, their best foot forward. And um, sometimes guys just want to go to Alabama, right? That's, that's, yeah. that's going to be my take for Walter Nolan there, where uh, I don't think Michigan, uh, if, if they do end up missing, will will have anything left on the table to, uh, to um, pitch to Nolan. Um, but it, so it's, it's one of those where I kind of throw my hands up and it's like, 
this is what we got. This is what, what Michigan has to offer. And uh, it just comes down to where his priorities lie. So if, it, if I'm a betting man, I would never bet him to get out of the SEC. But uh, as John said, to be the lone school outside of the SEC, that's a really good sign. If, he, if he's going to go elsewhere, you know, to me, it's either Bama or Michigan. You go to the cream of the crop that the SEC has to offer um, or you go to, uh, you know, go a different route. And Michigan seemingly is that different route. So mm-hmm. could be wrong, but uh, I know the, the Gators have quite a bit of buzz and um, it's SEC or Michigan at this point. And um, yeah, that's, it, it's, it's going to be a crapshoot from my end. <laughs> I, I have no idea uh, what to expect. It's, it's just keep my expectations low because these guys are, are rare. The six, four, 300 pound freak athlete that uh, Walter Nolan has to offer there. Yeah, he, he certainly is a rarity for sure. I'm kind of with you. I think if, if I were to just give a guess today on uh, June 21st, uh, I, I think I'm kind of with you. I think it would be somewhere in the SEC over uh, the University of Michigan. But it, like you said, if it is anywhere else outside of the South, it is probably going to be Michigan unless a, a team like Ohio State just uh, throws the bag at them, so to speak. And uh, something weird happens there. But I, I think at this moment, I would probably venture to say that he probably would stay South. It's uh, somewhere in the SEC, but it, it looked like he had a good trip and it looked like his family had a good trip too so you're gonna stay in this recruitment until the very end and like you would with any of these big time prospects Walter Nolan certainly is that so at the very least you made some ground up uh, this weekend and uh, you certainly take that if you're Michigan and hope that you put together a good season and uh, beat Ohio State at home if he does end up coming uh, to Ann Arbor for that game and that would probably uh sway his opinion on things a little bit more too. So just keep uh, crossing your fingers and hope for the best. But uh, let's move on to some other defensive linemen here because there were several other guys in Ann Arbor this weekend with the headliner being four-star Alabama native Justice Finkley. He's a 6'2", 255 fringe top 100 overall player in the class. Uh, He's also taken a visit to Colorado this month and has Texas next weekend uh, picked up a Michigan crystal ball today. So that's big news there. Another prospect who picked up some crystal balls uh, to Michigan, that's four-star edge prospect Mario Eugenio. He was also in Ann Arbor, been a longtime top target for the Wolverines. He's 6'3", 240, slowly moved up the rankings over the recent months and is now within the top 300. He was sitting outside fringe three-star range for a little while, but he's firmly a four-star now. Um, Again, we're just rolling with the crystal balls with these D linemen. I guess you could consider him a a two-way lineman, but in-state three-star Deion Walker, uh, was also in town. This was an unofficial visit, but he picked up uh, a crystal ball anyway. 6'6", 340, can either play defensive tackle or offensive tackle. So um, it, it seems like they want to take him at D tackle, but at the very least, he's he's a guy that you would just take and figure it out later. Um, plays at Cast Tech, so plenty of connections for Michigan there, hence probably why uh, Michigan's picking up crystal balls there. 
Uh, and then you had three-star uh, Joseph Adedire, listed at 6'3", 250. He's from Arlington, Texas, number 432 overall. Very academically oriented kid. He's already vis- visited Northwestern and Georgia Tech and will visit Cal this upcoming weekend. Uh, three-star Joshua Josephs also in town uh, this past weekend. He's like one of those linebacker slash edge guys, 6'3", 215 from the state of Georgia, uh, took a visit to Penn State last weekend and has other strong interest from Kentucky and Tennessee. And I know that three-star defensive tackle Tofik Thomas was supposed to be on campus. I didn't see anything about him, so I'm just going to name him anyways. He may or may not have been. I, he was supposed to, but I haven't seen anything reported about him. Uh, but at the very least, six th- or six five three forty five uh, from Tampa, is teammates with Eugenio and uh, number 928 overall on the composite. Big list there. John, let's dissect this position group here. Um, I'll just let you highlight one or multiple of these guys that you want to talk about because there's a lot. I mean, with all these crystal balls being thrown out today, with all these D linemen, you could kind of just, uh, you know, pick whoever you want to talk about and let's roll with it, John. It's all you. Yeah, I, I want to talk about Eugenio and Walker. Uh, together because, you know, somehow they're friends. I don't know how, you know, a kid from Detroit and a kid from Florida became close friends, but um, they're apparently buddies, and I think it was good that they were both on campus today or this weekend. Um, And apparently Walker's been, you know, kind of acting like he's been a kid for a while now. You know, he's always posting pro-Michigan stuff. Apparently he was going around campus this weekend saying, like, you know, imagine if we all committed together, I would vote into class with stuff like that so you definitely like to see that and then pretty soon after he left campus Enio posted his uh that he'll be announcing his commitment on July 5th which if you're leaving the campus of a visit and you immediately set your commitment date it's always a good sign for that school in my opinion so I think um Eugenio will will join the class in a couple weeks and I think Walker won't be too far behind to beat him to the punch but um, I think those two are both excellent D-line prospects. Walker can even flip the O-line. Um, I think it's wherever he wants to play, the staff will let him. Um, he's also one guy that we're just kind of been waiting on the rankings update. You know, after he picked up Georgia, Alabama, Florida, whatever, all like the top schools in the country um, over the spring and, and winter, kind of waiting for him to get that four-star that he clearly deserves. Um, so I'll be looking forward to that too as well. Yeah, no, most certainly. I mean, they, they've – it seems like they've really made up a lot of ground with a lot of these D linemen. And I know Dion Walker was probably on the fringe of getting crystal balls anyway, but this, this visit really put it over the edge. Um, Steven, I, I want to talk about uh, Justice Finkley too, because at 6'2", 255, I mean, he's kind of one of those guys that could be like a, a D end, uh, but also an outside linebacker in this new scheme that they're going to be playing here, picked up a crystal ball, and it seems like he's very academically oriented as well. Uh, he's certainly not afraid to take visits outside of SEC country, even though he's from the state of Alabama. And it's not easy to pull those guys from that state, especially when you have an offer from the Crimson Tide, like Justice Finkley does. Um, like I mentioned earlier, took a visit to Colorado. He's got Texas this weekend and is going to be it, – it, it, to me, it seems like this recruitment's kind of coming to an end here. Seems like he really wants to make up his mind, make his commitment, and kind of just get things out of the way here pretty soon. And with that Michigan crystal ball being there, Stephen, things are starting to look pretty good. And he's a really good prospect here. 
Yeah, I really love seeing a shuttle time on these defensive linemen. Um, anything in the fours, like mid fours, is definitely elite uh, for a guy his size, 255, having a 4.61 uh, shuttle back in 2019. Now, there, there are some things to consider. How big was he at that time, right? Was he really close to 255? Where was his body at? But even so, that shows just a level of athleticism for a defensive lineman that uh, really stands out. So uh, he's, he's an interesting uh, prospect to me just because I don't know exactly where, where he'll end up. I think he uh, seems to fit uh, kind of a, a prime three, four defensive end uh, build that you really want right now at six, two, it kind of limits um, his weight beyond probably 280. I think that'd be pushing it for him. Um, so I doubt that he'll be more of like an edge rush. The thing that stands out to me is just his power. He, he's a really powerful guy. The bull rush is already pre- it's, it's pretty much there. Uh, and, and that's usually rare. You see these guys using more of their nimbleness to get around blockers. He likes to go through people. He's able to take on double teams. Um, he does have solid lateral movement skills to go with that, but uh, he's able to generate a lot of power and a lot of it comes from his lower body. So he's already developed, I think, uh, above um, most players in his position at this point. And that's going to just raise his floor already, where it's not a question of, you know, how, how much or how long will it take for him to really develop those uh, just those muscles to make it work at the next level. He's already got that. So uh, he combines that just with his leverage, like I said. So everything that co- goes into um, creating good leverage, uh, having that powerful bull rush, um, that's the thing that stands out to me the most. So um, just with his versatility, though, like I would like to see him get as big as possible and use him almost as like a nimble nose in some like pass rushing situations as well. I think he can be an every down three, four defensive end. If he uh, stays around like 260, 265, but if he can get up um, closer to 280, even North of that, he could be a really intriguing uh, prospect as a, a third down nose pass rush uh, type, just with his athleticism. So uh, I like it. I like it. He's, he's got a good yeah. fit at defensive end and, and he brings versatility depending on how big he grows. Michigan is also in search of more defensive backs in this class, like they are D linemen. And they had a few pretty good ones on campus this weekend, along with five-star commit, Will Johnson. Uh, you had four-star cornerback Marquise Groves Killebrew uh, reportedly on campus, number 90 overall in the country, uh, still committed to Georgia, but wanted to check out Ann Arbor anyways. Also on campus was four-star defensive back Darko Perkins McAllister, who received a crystal ball to Michigan from Steve Wilt Fong from 24-7 Sports over the weekend. He's 6'1", 185 from Nashville, has other offers from pretty much everywhere in the SEC, as well as Florida State, Penn State, Oregon, Texas, uh, Oklahoma, several others there. And uh, three-star safety Austin Brown also on campus, a 6'1", 195 from the state of Illinois, has been a huge rankings riser as of late, shot up from an 86 to an 88 overall on the composite, now sits at number 387 overall in the country and is a four-star on 24-7's own rankings. And then on an unofficial visit was a four-star Dylan Tatum, been a longtime target here, for the maize and blue got all of the crystal balls to Michigan right now came on an unofficial visit uh, for Victor's weekend, number 261 in the country and uh, the number 13 overall athlete 
at five foot 11, 190. So, John, I'll throw it back over to you, my friend. Um, uh, with this crystal ball uh, for uh, Perkins McAllister, uh, they Michigan once had a, a four star safety from Tennessee committed, uh, Taylor Groves, but he decommitted a few months back. So, uh, by all accounts, it seems like Michigan leads at the very least for another kid. Uh, at the safety position uh, from Tennessee. And he's a very talented one, uh, to say the least. Yeah, this recruitment's been going pretty fast. Um, I think he's been a, a recent riser of the rankings, getting a fourth star, getting a lot of offers lately. And Michigan was, uh, did really well to offer him uh, fairly recently, get him up on campus for an official visit um, not soon after with all those schools that you mentioned offering him, you know, also competing for him to secure one of those five visits, um, I think shows a lot of reciprocal interest as well, which uh, bodes well for Michigan. Um, you know, that, that crystal ball was put in by Steve Wolfong, who usually uh, does it as a pulse on where, you know, he thinks he'd commit if the guy had to decide today. So, um, while I think Michigan did really well, I do want to see where he visits elsewhere and how he feels after those visits before I think Michigan will clearly lead for him. But I think they've put themselves, you know, in a really good spot, especially, you know, being, not having that much time to establish that relationship with them. So I think they made a really good first impression. Yeah, I think so too. I, I, it's very telling when you get a crystal ball for a kid that you haven't really been recruiting for much, uh, a big amount of time there, uh, like Perkins McAllister. Um, so yeah, I mean, by all accounts, seems like everything went well for him. Steven, um, I'll just toss it over to you, man, with all of these defensive backs uh, that uh, came here. It's, it seems like, the one that no one's really talking about is Tatum, the in-state kid that, like I said, has all the Michigan crystal balls. He hasn't made up his mind yet. What's in my opinion, my, my, my question to him is what's taken so long. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on just the defensive backs in general and, and Tatum uh, in general here. Yeah. It could be a thing with Tatum where he wants to check the depth chart, see uh, you know, where does the team really prioritize me? What, what is my fit? Uh, how does my fit uh, actually fit with the school and how they're recruiting me. So it could be that it could be Michigan uh, trying to figure out where they rank certain players. Um, it could be any one of those things. It, it's such an interesting thing for uh, Tatum. You know, he's uh, he's projected as a potential running back, but like you said, defensive back, um, you know, it, it's interesting to not see that many visits for him. Um so, so I don't know, man, you're, I'm trying to get in the head of Tatum. It, it seems like if his mind was made up, uh, he would have committed by now. Um, so, so yeah, it's one of those things where I'm more looking at it from uh, maybe he's just waiting to, to see how Michigan's board shakes out and how he, how the depth chart looks for his situation compared to other schools and, and possibly uh, take a look there. So that's kind of, that, that would be my estimate because otherwise it seems like everything's there, right? Yeah. Um, it could be. And, and the final thing I'll say on that, it could just be a thing where maybe he's sick of recruiting, right? He has his mind made up, just wants to make sure that everything's aligned and the relationships that he has formed with coaches that they, uh, continue to be strong relationships. Um, you know, make Michigan prove that they're going to be, uh, a program to build you the, in the correct way, build upon that relationship throughout the year and, and, you know, show me that consistency uh, as a coaching staff and that can earn your, uh, your recruitment. So it could be any number of those things. Um, for me, it, it's more of a matter of, of when than if, um, but 
recruiting's weird, man. And this could be just one of those weird things where, you know, maybe he's not even thinking about it and he's just like, Oh, I'm just going to enjoy my summer. You know, that could be, I could see myself True. doing that. So, <laughs> so yeah. who knows, but I think it's a matter of when, not if. Sure. No, for sure. Well, I don't, I don't mean to skip through here, but uh, we're running low on time. Let's go speed round through the offensive linemen. And let's just talk about Alessandro Lorenzetti. Uh, that's a, that's a mouthful. Um, now, he's an unranked guy. And before you turn the podcast off now, after I say the words unranked, uh, hear me out for just a sec. Uh, got a crystal ball for, uh, for Michigan, a couple crystal balls, actually. And we've been talking about a ton of unranked guys blown up through the camp circuit over the last month or so. And he fits uh, into that description there, picked up some other uh, interest and in, in offers from schools like Penn State, Michigan State, Georgia, uh, Baylor. Vanderbilt, all extended offers to him. Uh, he's 6'6", 285 from Canada, like I mentioned, but plays high school football in Connecticut. Um, so let's let's just focus in on him, John uh, Lorenzetti. Not the biggest position group uh, here uh, that ended up visiting uh, by any means, but uh, you know, it, it seems like at the very least he has uh, risen to the top of their board and a guy that they would take and, and it, undetermined if it's tackle or guard, but at 6'6", 285, you can kind of work with that there and, and figure it out later down the road. Yeah, if uh, he's another guy like Alexander where uh, he got offered after his performance at a camp in front of the Michigan coaches, so you like to see that. And he also you know, had a chance to go to a bunch of other schools and impress basically everywhere he went to as well. Um, so you like to see that. I think he's definitely um, a candidate to rise in the rankings. He was going to go to Ohio State in camp um, and probably get an offer from them based on how it was going with them. But I think he's going to cut it off soon. Um, he had multiple trips to Michigan and Penn State planned. Um, so he could be back there in Happy Valley. Uh by this weekend because, uh, you know, he has to avoid going home to Canada or else go have to quarantine for two weeks. Um, but I think Michigan really impressed him. And it seems like he could drop it at Steven, I'll take a 30 to 45 second evaluation of Lorenzetti. Go. Big, uh, surprisingly mobile for his size. Uh, I think pretty raw. Um, and I'll keep it even shorter than that. I think he'll probably <laughs> max out around 700, 800 on the rankings when he does get ranked. Um, but a large body to work with, probably eventual right tackle. That's going to be my estimation. But a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. Okay. Well, we'll we'll dig a little deeper into those guys and more uh, on uh, future editions here of Future Brew. Uh, but unfortunately, that is all the time uh, that we have. Thank you very much for listening. Be sure to uh, like and subscribe to all of our podcasts here on uh, SB Nation Podcast Network. Give uh, Mason Brew a like on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. Uh, we would really appreciate it. And uh, go support the YouTube channel as well. Steven's pumping out content left and right. So uh, for John and Steven, I am Vaughn Lozon. We'll talk to you guys next week with more official visitors on the way. Go Blue.